0: Guys, welcome back to Unleashed. And I don't know where you are, but man, it's cold. Eric, what's the temperature? Like, what was it yesterday? I mean, I, I was driving back from St. Louis and it was six below there with a wind chill of like 30 below.
1: Right now, uh, seven degrees. <laughs> it's yeah. a heat
0: wave. And the Steelers are going to be playing like in <laughs> a few minutes. And I'm bummed because they moved the game. Sorry, I'm a Steelers fan. That's where I grew up. And uh, our guest today is, well, he's actually from was it Minnesota, I believe, but you've been living in Texas. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I grew up born and raised in Minnesota, so Brent, I'm used to the cold weather, but I'm actually not used to it anymore because I've been in Texas for what, 12 years. So, it's like I think we're at 22 degrees here. So, it it feels it's so still cold frigid. for Texas. It, I, I mean, it's cold for especially South Texas. I'm in San Antonio, so it's it's like, man, like I'm a wuss. <laughs> like, this is nothing <laughs> compared to what I grew up. in. But it, it just feels so frigid here. I, and there's a lot of there's a lot of moisture in the air too. That doesn't help. So
0: you know what's funny? I took uh, my 14 year old to the store. Um, just an hour ago she needed to get something from Hobby Lobby for a school project and I've got base layers on my heavy coat and a hood and a hat and all she goes in in a sweatshirt and sweats and I said you know it's this generation right that's why they stand out there and wait for a school but uh yeah I was like man talking about being a wuss well today's guest um you know we've known each other for probably about 16 years something like that um Colin Cottrell and he uh You're going to hear some really neat stuff from him today. Just a great guy. Um, Loves God, loves the outdoors. Got some great stories. But before we get started, um, Eric, um, our producer, Eric Foley, say hi. Hello. And uh, what do we got today for a question?
1: Yeah. So Steve from Illinois wanted to know if you've done any, you've talked about fishing, you've talked about being cold. Have either of you guys done any ice fishing? Oh, man. I'll, I'll Minnesota boy, this. come on. Yeah, I'll I'll jump on this one. I actually, man, I talk about this a lot because uh, people know that I'm from Minnesota, but I've been living in Texas for all these years now. Um, if there's one thing I miss about back home in Minnesota, it's ice fishing. I miss it so much. It was one of my favorite things to do growing up. My Some of my earliest memories literally are out on the ice in weather like you guys have today, uh, just in like the biggest, puffiest snowsuit you can find, just out on the ice, you know, trying to reel, reel, real them in, man. And it's, it's kind of crazy to think about. So I have some old photos of my dad, you know, and me uh, out on the ice in just frigid weather, um, you know, snow, cold, but big smiles on our face because oh, yeah. you know, and, and just something about being out on the ice, being in the outdoors. Um, yeah, man, that's that's something I miss. I know that. One of the things I, my, my dad was complaining about is, man, we haven't had any ice, uh, the last couple of years because it's been a little bit warmer temperatures. They had a ton of snow last year. Yeah. So they were able to go snow, uh, snowmobiling, but they didn't have any ice. So everybody's been complaining, man, we need to get a good freeze. And so I'm sure you guys are going to get that now. So which will be nice, but no. I miss it so much, Brent. I mean, that's one of those things if I was going to go back home in the wintertime, which I haven't went back home in the wintertime for many years now, I would definitely spend it. Pretty much most of that time out on the ice.
0: I was time. speaking for a men's retreat. What would, Do you remember the name of the camp? Because I would said something to you, and you said, man, I used to go to that camp.
1: Was it uh, Big Sandy Camp, maybe? Yes, uh, McGre- Big McGregor, Sandy, Minnesota. that was it. It was Big yeah. Sandy,
0: yep. Okay. Because yeah. when, when I was there, it was, oh. um, it was after, let me think, it was after the SHOT Show, which is in Las Vegas, which is coming up here. I'll be going there mm-hmm. in just a couple of days. And uh, after my buddy Kurt, who was the um, national sales manager for ATSCO, Yeah, I I flew up, went to his little cabin on a lake up there, just incredible. And I mean, all the way up there, we were seeing these ice houses, you know, out there on the lake. (laughs) And I said, "That's how you guys fish?" He goes, "Oh yeah, we got TVs and heaters." And I'm like, "Yeah,
1: that's." a shanty, they call it. Shanty, them. that's what you call them.
0: <laughs> you said you said snowmobile. I was wondering, what do they call them? They call them snow machines. They call them snowmobiles up there. What's yeah. the?
1: Yeah, I was I was just talking about this the other day with somebody too. We were watching a movie and and they were calling them snow machines. And I'm like, oh, that you know, different places call them different things. And uh, uh, wherever the the show we were watching was at, they were calling them snow machines. I think they were like in South Dakota or, or Montana or something yeah. like that. But I, we call them where I grew up, we call them <laughs> snowmobiles. So yeah, I, I would think. Well, snow I machine, know. I would think snow blower. Someone said snow machine, I would think, I don't know why I'd think snow blower.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, it's Alaska, and some places call them sled. You know, it's like. Sleds, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But so, yeah, so he was just telling me all about that. And when I was speaking for that men's retreat up there, um, one of the, you know, they had hockey going on, you know, with some of the men's yep. stuff they had going on. And they had, uh, of course, they had snowmobiling and then they had ice fishing. You know, they had a tournament. That's awesome. And I forget how big the wall I was, but some dude, he pulled in a monster. And it was like, they were shocked at how big this thing was. We got in
1: typically a 30 incher is like a wall hanger. They call it anything, anything over 30 inches is like, that's a, that's a big deal. That's a big, in, shift. In
0: <laughs> that's a big shift going from Minnesota to Texas. When did you move down there?
1: Man, it was, uh, 2011, tw- 2011, 2012, about 2012, actually early 2012. I did. And, uh, man, it was a big shift. You know, our, our mutual fr- friend, Robert Hogue oh, yeah. actually is the reason why I ended up moving to Texas. Robert was, uh was running his website, bowhunting.net yep. and uh him and I got to know each other uh the year before in a hunting camp or actually two years before in a hunting camp in an antelope hunting camp. And uh, we just hit it off. And then, you know, him and him and his partner, Rich at that time, um had you know I was a marketing guy and yep. so he they were like hey we need somebody who's young and who who knows this new social media world and those things and and so those guys you know they kind of brought me on board and hired me to kind of come on as a consultant so that's kind of how what they were one of my clients back in that time and anyway Robert the kind of the story goes that Robert invited me out to the uh the hunt lease there at at his place in Texas in Central Texas and uh, we went out and did some hog hunting, did some some business work together for like a week. He actually flew me out. I was like... I was like, man, I'd love to come out. He's like, well, you're coming because I already bought you a ticket. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and um, so he flew me out on his dime. We, we hit it off, had a good time you know, hunting and I killed my first pig with a bow. The kind of the rest is history, man. I, I, I fell in love with Texas. That was only the second time I had ever been to Texas. The only only to- other time I had been to Texas was actually on a, a youth mission, or I went on a missions trip in my youth. I was about 18 years old. I went on a missions trip in South Texas uh, kind of on the border of Mexico. And so we had went through Texas and in the middle of the summer, of course. So all I knew was the, the heat wave that you get in Texas in the summertime. Yeah. Like
0: 105 average. It's crazy. Yeah. It
1: was was like, yeah, it was like 110, I think. And, and, uh, so anyways, I I was like, man, I wonder what Texas is going to be like in the wintertime. Cause I, when I went out there, I think it was February about February when I went out, when he flew me out there, it was after ATA show and shot show and all the shows and stuff. And anyway, it was, it was pretty nice. It was pretty mild weather. You know, it was like, I think it was like 40 or 50 degrees, you know, and me being from the Midwest, I was like, man, this is nice. I could do this in the (laughs) wintertime."
0: Here's what blew me away about Robert. And I think I told you this story, but maybe for the listeners, it's kind of funny. I was doing a writer's camp for outdoor writers in Southern Mm -hmm. Illinois about 2008, I think it was. And I know we had some guys there from Grim Reaper and just some different companies and Robert, um, you know, he's always at these things and taking his notes on the computer and all this stuff. Well, my job at that writer's camp, besides, you know, taking notes of all the uh, guys that were there, was I was going to be filming Robert. Oh. So I had one of these really tiny lock-on stands. Now, let me think. In 2008, I would have been 57, about back to turn 58. So I was no spring chicken. No, no is that right? No, I'd have been 40. Forty. Yeah, let me do the math here. I'm like 106. And 20, so, tw-
1: almost 20 years ago, though, Brent. Yeah, what? <laughs> oh, gosh.
0: And so I get out, and, the, and Robert at this point, he's probably in his 60s. He yeah, would have been not- in his 60s. Yeah, he would. not I mean, I can't talk. But, um, so I go out there. They drop us off in the dark, and they've already got his stand set up. And they said, this is a little spooky stand. It's on the edge of a field. Illinois can get really windy.
1: Yeah.
0: And it was. And I have to climb the stand before Robert and I've got a kind of like, you know, with my got my safety harness and I'm trying to hang on, you know, way up above him. And I have to get about eight feet above him. His stand was almost 30 feet. I've never never hunted a stand that high. And I have to put a stand above him to give him plenty of room. I have never been so scared in my life, so every time I see Robert i haven't seen him in a few years, and i I'd mentioned to you at the ATA show this week in St. Louis to say hey you know to him but he was um you know he you know, i mean he had the whole bow hunting dot site for so many years, and I know you know things have slowed down and everything and, and it changed hands and it's, as a matter of fact, for the you guys that, that love the outdoor stuff and like to read, I did a podcast i think it was was it last week, Eric, when I was talking about the bear hunt
1: uh with the When the bees and all that? Yeah. I think so. I think it
0: was. I think it was last week. Um, I wrote an article for bowhunting.net, which just came up this week while we were at the ATA show. So, Some of you guys that that love the outdoors, you can go on to bowhunting.net. And uh, the article was called Adventure Begins When Your Plans Go Wrong. It was actually supposed to be called Adventure Begins When Plans Go Bad. But anyhow, it was one of the, it was kind of funny. My wife, I sent it to her and I said, Hey, just check this real quick before it goes out. And she goes, I think you meant to say adventure begins when plans go wrong. So she types it in and I didn't correct the thing and I sent it out and then they made the title of it. Adventure begins when plans go wrong. And I'm like wrong title, (laughs) but you don't tell your wife that
1: you you, you get the point though, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. She'll hear this podcast a week from now. And she'll be like, you just threw me into the bus. (laughs) Sorry, babe. Um, Well, anyhow, your background, like with marketing and writing and and bringing guys in, you have had some really neat um, experiences through the year with the marketing and and the outdoors. And something that we got talking about at ATA this week, um, who was it that was, was it uh, Jason Aldean and um, Luke Bryant? And some of the guys were supposed to be there singing and signing autographs. They were like real close to my booth. That's how you and I ran into each other. Yep. But some of these guys you had a chance to be in a hunting camp with. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, my, my, my background definitely was in the marketing side. You know, obviously those early days I was, I was working with an agency and then I started my own, my own thing. You know, you kind of go out on your own and start to freelance and work your way up and realize, like, hey, I, being an entrepreneur at a young age, like, I can build my own, my own business, you know. And fortunately for me, I hit it at a, a really good time um after kind of the recession 2008 2009 into 2010 a lot of these marketing guys were looking for you know an opportunity to expand into the digital space nobody nobody was doing that in the in the hunting space at that time other than websites like bowhunting.net so it was like the right time, right place. I'd been kind of knocking on the door at the ATA show for a couple of years already, kind of telling a lot of these companies like, Hey, you need to you need to, you know, get your marketing going here on the digital side. Like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we don't need that. You know, we've got Ugh. we got TV, we got print, we got, you know, we got our bases covered. I'm like, yep. oh,
0: Things change.
1: Yeah, things are gonna change really quick here, especially after what's going on here uh the last couple of years. Anyway, kind of fast forward that, you know, move that forward a little bit. I ended up starting a, a marketing agency that was specialized in digital marketing and social media marketing. It was really the first of the industry at that time. And uh, we had a lot of great clients that we were able to bring on board and, and uh, really build a, a solid business for, for several years. And one of our clients was a, a company called synergy outdoors. And they, had, yeah. the bus was family. They owned wild game innovations. They owned evolve habitats, evolve products. Um, they own Barnett crossbows, which is, that's the right. One. We, you guys were right down the right down the um, yeah. aisle from them, and that's who was there. It was L. Dean and Luke Bryan and Tyler Farr, a bunch of these guys, a bunch of the baseball guys, the butt Commanders. You know, obviously Willie, oh, yeah. Willie Willie Robertson's part of that crew as well. He's kind of the one who started that, obviously after after his dad's Duck Commander. And uh, part of my contract with um, with Synergy Outdoors, uh, of, you know, for working with their companies on the marketing side, was that I wanted to be able to come on a hunt um, with Matt and Ryan and some of those guys, um, at their ranch, they've got a really cool ranch out in, um, uh, in Louisiana all of Louisiana, the middle of nowhere, Louisiana, you know? And, and so being in Texas at that time, I was like, man, that'd be really cool to go. Cause I'd seen those guys on TV hunting and, you know, doing all kinds of fun redneck stuff there at their right. ranch. And I was like, man, how cool would that be to be able to work stuff like that into my contract? So we, we would, we, we you know, being part of the hunting industry, you can do that kind of stuff. You could say, Hey, I want to hunt out of this deal. (laughs) You know what I mean? So being young and wanting to travel and do some of those fun things, we ended up working that into our contract. And it just happened that the week that they wanted us to come out for, um, for our you know contract hunt and to do content and kind of be part of the hunting camp with those guys was what they call buck commander week so <laughs> which was kind of cool i was like man i could say and like willie robertson at this time was like they were like the thing like this is yeah. what, like when oh, when yeah. um um what's it called duck dynasty was just yep. getting started so they had been you know we in the industry we all knew who the duck commanders were and and, and those guys just from their videos and stuff phil robertson and what he had done but uh, Willie wasn't quite as well known until that at that time, obviously the, the, the TV show and stuff was really taken off. So to be in hunting camp with Willie and Jason, you know, Jason was one of the top country artists and Luke Bryan at that time, you know, a lot of these guys. And then a couple of the guys were major league baseball players just to be in that atmosphere around those men. You know, you're thinking, Oh my gosh, like I'm 20 something year old kid who gets to hang out in hunting camp with these guys. Like this is like a lifetime, a lifetime deal for me. But I was actually super, I, I think this is what we talked about, Brent, is I was just super impressed actually in yeah. hunting camp with those guys because it wasn't, it was different. You know what I mean? These guys were all super solid guys who really stood for their faith. You know, we were literally sitting around, you know, having a cocktail and a cigar at four in the morning talking about Jesus. Jesus, like, that's in, what you in said. Hunting, in hunting camp. And I yep. was just like this is cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they were just telling real stories about real life stuff and talking about, you know, their struggles in life and what was going on and how they were working on those things. And that actually at that time made a really big impact on me uh, just to be around guys who are in my eyes were like out of this world. You know, I'm, I'd never been around celebrities, quote unquote, celebrities before. And to be super impressed by how authentic and real they were, it was, it was really cool, man.
0: And you've been around uncle Ted.
1: I, and yeah, I've spent a lot of time. Ted with one, one of my one of my clients as well, and and Toby, his son Toby's one of my really really good Ted Nugent, really good we're friends. talking about. Yeah, yeah, Uncle Ted, man, Ted Nugent. Yeah, he again, he's another one of those quote unquote celebrities that I've I've had dinner with him. I've spent time with him. I've had a lot of great interactions with Ted, and a lot of great phone calls, a lot of great you know just moments where. He actually kind of took me under his wing as a mentor. He he would give me a lot of advice, and I, uh, when he was one of our clients, and that was one thing I always appreciate. You know, he, he's Ted, of course. He's going to he's, speak he's his brilliant mind. Brilliant, though. He is. He's brilliant. He is probably one of those guys who is really people don't really know Ted by with who he is. He's, he's got a solid heart, man. He's really, he's very, like you said, he's brilliant, but he's also very humble, <laughs> humble, T- Ted and humble in the same way. Right. I don't think that meant, right. he's humble in a certain way. Like he, he comes off as this guy who's very, you know, uh, out there in the world, you know, in, in the sense of like he speaks his mind, but he actually has a really tender heart and really cares about people on a very, very deep level. Um, yeah. And I know that hi- being with his wife, Shemaine is a big part of that as well. It's, it's changed him and who he is. Um, having a good woman by your side can change. Yep. you, Right. <laughs> we, we know that. Right. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it's really cool. Ted is one of those guys. He's larger than life, but he's also very just real and authentic and spending time in hunting camp with him True spending st- time just around him has been awesome.
0: True story. Um, and I think I might've shared this a long time ago when the podcast first started, but I was on a plane and I was flying to Traverse City, Michigan, and I had camo on because I was going to be doing this one event. Well, okay. there was a time when I had a lot of hair, right? And I had a little, <laughs> the little soul patch, you know, going down the middle. And this lady beside me was really uncomfortable, and she finally, what had happened was this: the uh, I don't know what you call it, what the right word is, stewardess, whatever. She came back mm-hmm. and. The tray table was down. I'm looking at Peterson's bow hunting magazine. I think's what it was, and there was a picture of a dead bear. And she goes to hand this lady, who'd kind of slid against the wall away from me, these peanuts fall on this magazine I have, and she kind of looks at me, and she takes the peanuts, and she looks at me, and she says, "Can I ask you a question?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this is gonna be good." She goes, <laughs> "What do you do for a living?" And you know, for those of you who know my background, I was in music for almost 30 years, and uh, did a lot of touring and things. And she yep. she says, "What do you do?" And I said, "Well, I said." Um, I was in music for a long time, but I said, but now I work in the hunting industry, you know, and, and, uh, she looks at me, her eyes get about this big around. And she goes, oh my gosh, you're Ted Nugent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: She, I'm like, yes, I am. No, I didn't. I mean, she slides <laughs> a little closer to the window afraid she's going to get some cat scratch fever or something, but it was just, it was a true story. And it was really funny, funny because yeah, it was just, I, I just remember, <laughs> I think it was the shot show. You had an appointment or something. I saw you and you were going to meet him. That's how I remembered you being connected with having some connection, you know, yeah. um...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Shot show, man, that brings back some memories. We, so they would always have me out there at the shot show. Toby would always have me out there with those guys because, you know, Ted being who he is, you know, you kind of have to have some people around him because people know who he is. And obviously he's not one to have security with him. He's always, uh, he's always packing. We'll just put it that way. No matter where we're at. But He likes to have his, his group of trusted people around him. Um, and so, you know, obviously kind of being part of the team and stuff like that, they wanted to have a bigger guy like me in the mix of that. So it was always kind of fun. We'd, we'd walk the floor and go to different events, go to different appearances and things like that. Obviously I was doing social media stuff with him as well. So it kind of worked out to kind of have me part of the entourage or whatever you want to call it. But, uh. But yeah, man, that was uh, that was always a good time, man. I remember Ted is one of those guys, man. You just you you just don't forget those times.
0: (laughs) I remember um, him being on an interview. I forget who it was with, and they were talking about you know, of course, taking an animal, and people were upset with that. And and he came back and he said, you know, I eat what I harvest, right? It goes on our table, or we give it to someone who can use a food or whatever. And they were giving him a hard time, and he said. You know, you're talking about eating all your vegetables and not eating meat and and not killing animals. Because you know what happens when you plow a field and you put all these pesticides and everything on there? How many rabbits and squirrels and mice and snakes and grasshoppers and everything you just killed by doing that? And he had a great point. I mean, that's the one thing about him is you can come after him. And and I I think he, he welcomes it because he's done his homework know yeah he really, no, he, ha-
1: he really has it's kind of funny you say that Brent um I was just listening to the Joe Rogan podcast uh last week and they had Taylor Sheridan who's the writer of Yellowstone and a lot of those big hits now a lot of those different shows that are on um uh one of the channels I don't even remember what channel they're on but uh anyway Taylor was talking about that exact line that um that they took that from somebody else, somebody else, Ted took that from somebody else. And well, he, he knows his, he knows his stuff anyway, but anyway, they had mentioned Joe mentioned, yeah, Ted said the same thing. And Taylor was saying the same thing. He had actually used that line in one of the episodes, of Yellowstone talking about that, how, when you, when you, when you dig up a field, you know, it, it actually kills all the different organisms and animals yeah. and stuff like that. So if you want to be if you want to be a vegan, you're really part of death. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, you know,
0: if you're entitled to your viewpoint. You know, if that's where you're at with it. OK, I mean, that's your view. Everyone has a story. They believe how they believe. But as uh-huh. a hunter, you know, I know when I take when I go out there, I want it to be as humane and as quick as it can possibly be when I harvest an animal. And I always say there's a difference between a hunter and a killer. Yeah, you know, I always want to be found to be a hunter, not a killer. Correct. But you know, and we eat everything. I mean, you talk about lean protein; that's mm. really good for your body. And oh, yeah, it's just. I, yeah, I we. Had some, I, right before I came in here, I just had some.
1: I, I, so did I, man. I had, uh, I had wild pork biscuits and gravy this morning. <laughs> so <laughs> Bis- literally, okay. literally, a pig, a pig I killed out at my hunting lease. Okay, we're going to change.
0: <laughs> we're going we're to change this. So you said you had the pork, and you had the biscuits and gravy now here's something that our viewers don't know you said you were a big guy how how big were you back back in those days
1: <laughs> man it wasn't you know three years ago Brent I was almost 300 pounds I was literally two, 295 pounds so I, I've been a I, I'm six I'm a big guy in in itself right I was a college football athlete so I played college ball for for two years and obviously played high school before that. So I've always been a big lineman, bigger guy, big, big boned, right? Right. (laughs) But, uh, but no, man, I just, after college, you know, you, you, you kind of get complacent. I, I got so worn out on working out and two a days and, and just getting after it that, you know, you get to that desk job and, you know, I was building a business, working 20 hour days, building this, you know, marketing business, sitting in front of the computer or sitting on the phone all day, man, you just. You lose track of the the you know the um, the consistency and the time that it takes to to put it into yourself as well, you know. And, and one of those things was you know I stopped working out, I stopped walking, I stopped doing eating the right foods, those kinds of things, man. In that time, so yeah, I was a, I was a big boy there for for quite a while. Obviously, well, when you, I saw you, you've you seen you, a change.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I was like, dude. What happened? How did you do that? And so we got into this conversation because I'm going to be 64 this year, yeah. And so we've kind of stayed in contact because we both, you know, love to be able to, you know, try to stay in shape and that kind yep. of stuff. And you know, I had a background in the martial arts for years, and you got really involved in jujitsu. Yep. And so that yep. was a big part. But the thing that blew me away was, and I said this to you when I saw you because I had seen your post, you had run a hundred miles. Now, <laughs> who runs a hundred? I mean, Forrest Gump, right? I mean, who runs a hundred miles and I saw you doing this and you were talking, you're running and talking. I'm like, dude, I would be bent over eating my shoestrings even after one mile. And you're out there, you're running and you're talking. How in the world did you get into running like that? And that, that crazy over the top kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, man. It's, it's been a, quite a journey, man. And, And I guess I can take us back in time a little bit. I mean, it was, it was actually about this time three years ago, you know, being you know, almost 300 pounds, you know, just coming off of, out of COVID. I had gained like 40, 50 pounds during COVID. You know, we're sitting around. No gym, gyms are open. My marketing business basically, you know, was shut down because marketing budgets were pulled during that. You, you know how it went. It was, it yeah. was crazy. And uh, just making all the excuses in the world at that point. And uh, I was like, something hit me. My my wife was uh, about to have our third child, and uh, you know he was due on on Christmas Day of 2020, and so I, I woke up that morning, and we weren't going to go to the hospital or anything. The baby was baby was delayed, um, but I woke up and took a shower that morning and, and got out of the shower, you know, butt naked, <laughs> and looked in the mirror, and I was like, man. I really let myself go this year. <laughs> and, and I just, a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of emotions flooded me at that moment. It was, I was like, man, I, I don't feel good about myself. I'm, de- I, I have some depression going on. Um, I'm not leading my family the right way. You know, I'm not leading myself and it's, I'm not taking ownership for who I am. And it was kind of crazy in that moment, man. It was, it was a really powerful moment. Um, just with all these emotions and stuff like that, I felt the Holy Spirit like tell me in that moment, like, This is nobody else's fault but yours, Colin. You need to take Mm. ownership over yourself. So that was kind of like that aha moment that, you know, that everybody talks about. And I kind of, it snapped me out of it. And I I woke up in that moment, thank God. And I decided to make a change in that moment. And, and, you know, it's easy to, um, you know, think that you're going to make a change. But I actually had to dig in and say, you know what, what's my plan look like? What's this actually going to look like? Because I've, I've tried to do this many times over the years. I tried to, you know, uh, make those changes and you, you get two, three, four months down the road and everything's going great. You're losing some weight. You're, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual side is growing, but then you, something happens one day and you're like off the path. Right. Yeah. And you just lose that focus. So I knew that I had to make some gradual changes over time and really start to, you know, build real habits in my life. So that was kind of the key, the key focus I I had from, you know, years of years before trying to do these same, make these same changes, but not ever really succeeding in it. You know, that kind of that yo-yo effect that we have in our lives. I mean, I know most guys that I talk to can relate with that. They can do good for two, three, four months, you know, being that it's January, January right now, like that's something to think about, like, Hey, like you got all this excitement, it's the new, the new year you got, you know, new year, new you, right. Um, right. But, but it's actually building a plan, uh, you know, having a vision first. I, I really like to say having a vision. Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of my, one of the people I really like to follow. And he always talks about having a vision for your life, looking ahead. Who do you want to be? Where do you want to go? But how do you get there? Right. So yeah. that having, having that vision is important. But then on top of that, you have to kind of backwards plan to that. Like what do those goals look like? What are those what does those daily habits look like for you? So that's something I really started to to focus on in my life was like kind of backwards planning from that vision that I had for who I wanted to be and how I could, you know, build that into my life. So Really for me, and and for those that don't know, I I went from two hundred ninety five pounds down to one hundred ninety five pounds in about a two year period of time. So I lost a hundred pounds, um, over that period of time, and it was it was not easy. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was really deep into, uh, you know, eating everything and anything, and 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 laziness and inse- you know insecurity, um, just not no consistency. Um, Not, you know, just not being a good person, not being a good man, a good leader. Um, So, yeah, <laughs> that, that that's amazes kind of me like... <laughs> because
0: you were talking about you felt the Holy Spirit, you know, when you're looking in the mirror, say, this is this is your responsibility. Yeah, I just did a podcast. I, I, Eric, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I was talking about where I, I was talking about a Navy SEAL who had been a sniper and he finally came to grips. He sat on the edge of the bed and, and he was thinking about it. And he goes, you know what? I, I I saved a lot of lives. That was my job. Mm-hmm. But I did take lives, mm-hmm. and he said, so I had to have a reckoning. I had to face that. Um, he says, you know, that, not that, that there was something that, because it was, like I said, he saved a lot of lives. But that was a part of the dirty stuff of that job, you yeah. had to take the life, to save a lot of lives. But God took me. I was working out. I was in the upstairs room, and he put, took me to my knees, and he said, I want you to really look at your life. And I want to look at some of these things where you dropped the ball, where you've gotten lazy or whatever. Um, And I first I was on my knees with him and it was I called it the reckoning and I went downstairs and I got on my knees in front of my wife. And I took responsibility for things that she didn't even know I needed to take responsibility for. Mm. And uh, it was a beautiful moment. But you and I talked about this at the ATA show. That you know you can have all the motivation, you know you can see other people like hearing your story and guys, yeah, man, I want to do mm-hmm. that. And you can have inspiration. You can watch, you know, I like. I remember Joe Rogan had a podcast out where he was talking about man, you gotta find that thing in your life that that makes you tick. And I talk about that stuff. And so yep. you know, as I'm working out, sometimes I'll have videos on. But like I said, while I'm working out, I had mm-hmm. to get to that place, which there's only one word, and we talked about it. How do you get there? It's called discipline. Yeah. And because you, know. you, you can have all that other stuff, but like the vision, you have to be able to see. Yeah. But then what is the discipline that I have to have? Yeah. Every day, yeah. and eating is a part of that. It's not just hitting the gym. I mean, gosh, exactly. when I was. You know, it's, it's real easy when I'm on the road all the time, you probably feel the same thing so, to choose healthy choices at the yep. airport when you're out with a bunch of guys at the show yep. and you're going and you're all getting, you know, ribs and, and biscuits and gravy and all this kind of stuff, not the ribs are that bad, but, um, but just eating stuff, you know, finding that, we, that balance, right. Yeah. Finding
1: that balance in, in your life. Um, yeah, it's, uh, not to, not to interject, but <laughs> man, you're, you're hitting right. You know, you're hitting, hitting me right in the heart, man. This is, this is... This is stuff I do every day. I'm a, I'm a coach now and I, I coach my clients on this stuff every day. So it's, it's crazy, man. Like everybody wants to be excited. They want to be inspired. They want to be, you know, they want to do these big things, right? And make these big changes in their life. But it comes down to, first of all, like I said, having that vision of where you want to go. I find that most people don't even have a vision of where they want to go. Yeah. So if you don't even know where you want to go, like, How are you going to even put any kind of effort into that? If you don't have it, if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to even be able to plan for that. So you've got to be able to put a plan together and it boils down to building habits in your life that you can sustain over a long period of time, that consistency. Right. And so once you start to build that consistency in your life, which is ultimately discipline, that's what it is. So that way when you get those days where it's like, man, I don't feel like going to the gym today or like me when I was training for my hundred mile race, Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of miles in the, in between, you know, I did, I trained for six months, uh, for that race. I went from a 5k to a hundred mile race and you go from running a 20 mile a week to at the end, you're running 70, 80 miles a week. So there's a lot of, uh, opportunity for making excuses in that. I don't even like driving that far. Yeah, I get, I get that. I get that a lot. Um, but but yeah, that's where, you know, on those days where it's like, man, it's cold out, it's it's this, it's that, you know, it's really easy to make those excuses. That's where that discipline comes into play. That's where, you know, you, you get up and say, you know what, this is who I am. I'm, I'm, this is my lifestyle. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go train. I'm going to go put in my time. I'm going to punch punch the time clock, pay my dues. And I'm going to keep mo- moving forward with my day. So it kind of becomes, you know, it's that discipline that builds those habits, But ultimately, you do have to have a good plan in place. And some of us need some accountability as well. And I think surrounding yourself with the right people, obviously being a coach now that I am, one of the biggest factors that the reason why I have work is because people are starting to realize like, I can't do everything on my own. I need to have a solid group of people around me to hold me accountable, whether it's a coach or whether it's just a, a group of people that I trust and that I can be honest and real with, right? We we face this, not just in a physical part of our lives, but the mental, emotional, and even spiritual side of our lives.
0: One of the things you just said spiritual, that's where I wanted to go with you is when we were standing there talking, the one thing that when you can tell when someone understands their identity is in Christ. We talked about, you know, Early on in the industry, you know, you're looking around and you see Will Primos and you see you know, all these things and all these labels that you've got on your clothing or you've got on your weapon or your whatever. And, and so you have TV. a TV. And you <laughs> watch it on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you're going, man, I want to be that, you know, whatever. Yeah. And is it, is it, um, oh, it's Galatians chapter six. I can't remember the verse, but it says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given don't think more highly of yourself than you should. And don't compare yourself with others. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that when, when you get in the industry, when you're down there, if you don't know your identity and you can get caught up in all that stuff, because you feel like your identity comes from, Hey, do people know my name? You know, what do I have sponsorships? You know, all these things, do they want me? Are they, yeah. they going to pay me? And early on, I would be like, man, I want to see how many sponsors, you know, might be willing to you know sponsor me. And, as you kind of get around it long enough, God has a way of going, okay, I'm going to, let, I'm going to give you just enough rope, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then eventually you're going to realize you're going to come to the end of yourself and that that stuff doesn't have anything to do with your identity. It might have Aww. something to do with your work. It might pay the bills. But what I was going to say was when you came up and we started talking, you can tell when a person knows their identity in Christ because the question doesn't evolve around the industry yeah we it wasn't a matter of I don't even seconds probably, and we're we're talking about Jesus, you know we're talking about God, and you're telling me about being at these camps and impressed with these other guys that you would have never guessed that they would have a relationship like that, yeah, yeah, and guys were coming by the booth, and the guys that I had met that had a relationship with Christ, the second that somehow that got brought up. There was nothing about the industry, there was nothing about how big the buck was or the hog was or the bear was or yeah. shot. It's about what he's done in my life. And that's what I want to kind of do with you as we as we kind of start moving toward, you know, getting later in this. We got maybe about 10 minutes left. I want to hear a little bit about, you know, your journey and you've talked about the marketing industry and um yeah, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Set us up <laughs> how you got to that place where you can just walk up and Yeah. That's the most important thing in your life
1: hundred percent, man. It's, you know, I, I love, I love, uh, I love this part of the, the conversation. I, I was hoping that we'd go into this place, you know, just knowing you, Brent, knowing our relationship. Yeah. I had a feeling that we'd, we'd get to this point where we could talk more about our faith and those kinds of things. And it's a journey like anything, right? It's, uh, you know, we, we start out as this young guy who's, who's working his way through the world, trying to figure himself out, trying to figure out why things are the way they are. And like you said, you know, there's a lot of impressions made out on you um, as a young, as a young man, especially. I didn't have I didn't have a lot of good mentors to be honest with you. Um, I broke into the industry at a pretty young age, uh, you know, wide eyed, you know, like, wow, I can't believe, you know, I'm seeing, I'm hanging out with these guys who I see on TV, the Lee and Tiffany's, the the rock stars, the whatever. And so you're, you know, you're just kind of like going with the flow, trying to figure out who you are, but like having fun at the same time. Right. Right. (laughs) And, uh, I will just put it this way. I had a lot of fun in those, in those young early days. Um, but quote unquote fun, right? Because as I grew up and grew older and realized like, man, this isn't where my identity is. It's not in this industry, doing marketing, being that person. Like that's not what God has for me. He has something a lot greater for me in this world. And it's not just a... It's not just the impact that's going to happen within this little industry, right? It's an impact ultimately, I think, that's going to make a profound impact on the kingdom. That's, that's what I believe. Um, and, and I had to get to that place. I had to go through a lot of ups and downs. You know, I mean, we're still, I'm still going through a lot of ups and downs and trying to figure myself out and trying to do that deeper work on my life to, to continue to grow and continue to level up and, and, um, you know become a become a better man become a better uh leader become a better um you know follower of christ and uh you know my my physical journey has been a big part of that um because it really it showed me how to have discipline it showed me how to have consistency it showed me how to um surround myself with the right people um and and grow in those ways um but ultimately now it's kind of led me to this this open idea that i can like make a big impact on other people through my own stories, through my own testimony, through my own mess. Right. And and right. one of the things I like to say is my mess is my message. Um, you know, and that, and those things happen to, you know, we're, we're, we, we fall, right. <laughs> we're, we're human. Um, those, those things are going to happen to us all the time. And hopefully we can get, grow and and get better from those things that we screw up on. But, we can also. What's so cool is we can take that mess, those things that we've done in the past, the things that are happening in our life right now, um, and we can take that out and be authentic and real with that message and and bring that to other people. And for me, it's been just trying to share that message with other men. Um, it's kind of led me to this opportunity to, as a coach, first of all, to to share my life with them in a in a real way, you know, through my coaching, uh, not only just through the physical physical transformation they're trying to make, but because of my physical transformation, I've changed mentally, uh, spiritually, you know, um, in a lot of different ways, um, emotionally. Well, and guys, <laughs>
0: one of the things like I love, too, with your podcast, when you're doing this, you'll be on there and you'll be talking about, you know, your family, your your girls, along with all this other yeah. stuff and and about Jesus. And I think one of the things that it, with we know, guys, like when I'm speaking for events. Um, there is a respect factor, like when, when guys know you're in the industry, that you've got sponsorships, not that that is an important thing, but sometimes to grab a man's attention so that you can build trust. is like, oh, he's got some sponsorships in the industry that that are pretty big, so he must understand what he's doing. And then you can yeah. use that as a platform to be able to say, you know what, Catalyst. if he – yeah. yeah, as a catalyst, if, if he has their respect because he knows what he's doing, I want to listen, especially now when you get to the end and I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ um, and how everything changes. I mean, yeah. the, the beautiful thing I love about identity is it doesn't matter all the good things I've done, all the bad things I've done, my identity in Christ never changes. And a lot of guys that are out there are like, well, you know, I've had affairs, I've alcohol problems. I, w- I was talking to a guy at the show, which I want to have him on um in the next few weeks. um. I didn't know he was a believer and he wasn't really talking about it, but I kind of sensed something in him. And I just said, Hey, would you mind if I asked you a personal question? And I usually don't do this. I don't. I just said, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And he started getting teared up. Oh man. And he told me a story about his little girl hunt. They had, it was an amazing story, but he said, you know, God changed me to where I wanted to be a different man because I had a real bad drinking problem. Mm -hmm. And he said, "I, I wanted to change. And he said, I didn't have to go through AA. He said God changed me. Yeah, God did it, and I've never gone back. And I forget how many years it's been over a decade. The guy's been clean, but he started telling me about and, and Jesus and everything. His eyes just, whew. and when you have that experience that changes everything in your life, right? Um. Nothing else like that matters, like the industry or money or fame. Mm-mm. None of that. doesn't matter who you're around. You're going to be you because that is who you are. And, and I said yep. this a few weeks ago. I said, you know, when, when we, the moment we truly believed and received Christ as Lord and Savior, it wasn't a transformation. It
1: mm-hmm. was a
0: transfiguration. Yeah. And there's a huge difference. The transformation is something that is, is a gradual thing. Well, mm-hmm. the moment you believed and he put his Holy Spirit in your spirit, he transfigured you. Yeah. And that's big. Yeah. So,
1: you know, that, as transforma- we're kinda- that transformation takes time. Right. But, but that yes. that heart change, that deep yeah. change. Right. That's it's like that, man. And absolutely. It's, it's,
0: it's amazing. And that's the hope. Guys are going, You mean really? It's like, yeah, at that moment, when he says, I've cast your sins as far as the East is from the West, I remember them no more. Or therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's because you were transfigured. Mm -hmm. All that stuff, you know, was it Paul in Romans 7 says, you know, I do the things I don't want to do, but it's not really me doing it. What's he talking about? Yes, the old me, I still buy into lies, but my spirit, which is the eternal part of me, is clean. Yep. And that's the hope that guys are going, I can really be clean like that. Yeah, you can.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: understanding that and embracing your identity is what we talked about discipline. We talked about motivation, inspiration, vision. When I can have that heart to heart and I get to really know who the one who is inside of me, it's a game changer.
1: Yeah. Man, what keeps coming to mind when you, when you talk about this, sprint is just the word freedom, the, the word freedom. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of... I was this way. Okay. Like I was, I was the guy who was caught up in all these different things. I didn't really, I mean, we're always trying to figure out who we are still. Right. (laughs) I think in different ways, but the freedom that comes with, you know, understanding my faith and and where I'm going when I die and what that looks like in this life, that, that just, that freedom I have in that is, is amazing because I don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. I know that no matter what happens, like, I know where I'm going when I die. I know where, you know, I know that good things are going to happen. There's going to be some bad things along the way, some learning lessons, too. But ultimately, I'm going in the direction towards where God wants me to go.
0: I thought about and... a movie when you said freedom. <laughs> Remember what movie I might be talking about? Freedom! What is it? Oh, uh.
1: uh, uh Gosh, what's it called? Um, I can't even think Braveheart. Braveheart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to compromise what he believes in, right? Yeah, yeah. He's willing to lay his life down for his
0: brothers. He's on the battlefield, no matter what, even yep. to the point of persecution and being tortured at the end. And the last thing he does is he is he releases that that, that cloth of his lover. Yep. That, remember that? He just yells out as they finally put him to death. Freedom. Freedom. And that's what I want you guys to hear. as we're kind of taking this now at the end. Is when you. When you begin to really understand that who you are will never have anything to do with impressing others, how much money you have, the titles we have on our clothing or the wife on your arm or whatever it is, it has everything to do with when your identity is in Christ, man, everything's different, it changes. Mm -hmm. And to have brothers like you, that when I see you at the show, I don't see each other maybe once a year, but it's not really the industry that we have in common. No. It's Jesus, it's that freedom. So let me say this at the end and i said this in the first podcast we ever had that when a man knows who he is in christ that has been created in the image of the living god when he is no longer held captive by the opinions of others or cares whether he lives or dies that man is now extremely dangerous
1: mm. dangerous
0: for good because he's been unleashed yep and colin you know and all of our brothers out there listening to this um through christ we are the resistance and we can make a difference in this world. So wield that sword well, pick it up, do battle. You were made for this time and call me and I am so glad to have you on here, buddy.
1: Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat. Yeah, man. we'll have and you back. No, no, I love this, man. We got to do this hopefully in person at some point.
0: <laughs> I know it, we'll get one of these camps. I know we talked about, maybe ice fishing, you never know.
1: Hey, there you go, it's a good idea.
0: <laughs> Stay the course, brother, love you, man.
1: Love you too, brother, thank you.
0: Take care.